Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Well, um, I want to pray one more time because <laughs> I want to pray. So uh, just join me. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are, God. Thank you for your promises that you have over each and every one of our lives. God, I'm just asking right now for help. I'm asking for the anointing to turn hearts today, Lord. I just recognize that I can't do anything apart from you. Unless you don't come, we don't have. So God, I'm asking right now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. God, would you enlighten our hearts that we could receive the gospel even those who have been in it for years, God, that we would just hear the message of the simplicity of the gospel that sets free, Lord. I'm asking, Lord, that we hear that you would have the reward of your suffering in our lives, God, because you paid such a high price for it, for us to draw near. So, God, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give me a second. My mouth is dry as can be. <laughs> so, um, just to be completely honest, I'm like extremely nervous right now because I feel what Amanda was saying up here. Um, my heart burns to speak, and you guys have seen me up here kind of sharing maybe something the Lord put on my heart or maybe a testimony in the past and I've shared for a few minutes, but to actually be up here and actually get to speak what's burning on my heart, it's just a whole other level for me. But um, my wife is funny. She goes, but babe, you talk a lot. So once you get started, you can't shut up. <laughs> and I'm like, thanks, babe. I guess you have a point. Um, so anyways, so the past two and a half years of my life, I, I've been walking with the Lord for coming on 14 years now. Um, in, I think, June of 2004, it was. And um, so I've been walking with the Lord for 14 years now. But, you know, as PG was saying, for me, the first 12 years of my life was very shaky. It was very rocky. It was... I was one of the most sincerest believers you could have met, and people on the outside, they saw, and they saw my heart and my hunger, and my hunger drove me to go places and to do things for Jesus. You know, I mean, me and my wife, we got married in 07. We just hit 11 years on March 10th, and, um, you know, we got married in March of 07, and by July of 07, we were already in, in Kansas City. We had moved up there to be a part of the International House of Prayer and I was doing some Bible schooling, and she was doing um, the worship school and stuff. And so I had 12 years of real, sincere walk with Jesus. But see, my life was like this. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. Roller coaster Christianity. You're up one moment, you're down the next moment. And, and I lived so, so much of my Christian life was living off feelings and emotions. And I am just convinced one of, one, of the, one of the burdens I have in life is to just dispel all the lies, like to break all the lies that go through our heads and that, that, that are spoken over us, you know. And so for so long, 
as sincere as I was, somewhere along the way, I, I, I missed the very foundation of the gospel. And th- what I feel God has been doing in the last two and a half years of my life, I feel so strongly that it's what he's going to begin to do in this next great move that he wants to do. Because I feel like as much as I want revival, like I'm hungry for it. I want to see the greater works that Jesus talked about. We at RCC, we want to see these things. And I'm hungry for revival. But part of me backs and I'm like, God, are we ready for it? Are we ready? Because I don't think we are, man. We get, what do we do when people get saved? Right away, we put doing onto them instead of being. Instead of like, okay, now that you're saved, here's what you have to do. And you have to read this and you have to read that. And I get that. All those things are amazing and they're good and we need them. But my conviction is, is that we, when people come to know Jesus, we would not show them what they have to do, but we would show them who they've become. Because all of the doing is a byproduct of the being. That's what it's about. And for so long of my life, 12 years, I mean, it flies by like that. I mean, we started a family. We have four kids now. I know everyone says we're crazy. But, you know, we're young and we have four kids. And, and time flies. I mean, I can't believe it's been, I mean, we've been married 11 years and I've been walking with the Lord 14 years, you know. And there's a story I don't have time to get into. I actually had a genuine encounter with Jesus at like 11 or 12 um, but then there's just that gap between 12 and 18. I, I may get into, I just feel God going somewhere right now. So I may get into that. Um, but I'm just saying somewhere along the way, I missed the very foundation of the gospel. And if I can just kind of paint a picture for you guys and some a visual to give you in your head, right? So you can hear what I'm saying. Let's just say at the bottom level, and, and I'm not saying, you know, going up levels and all this, but just hear me out. At the bottom level, let's say we have the foundation of the gospel, right? And I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of my close friends, they know me now as the past few years, it's like, yeah, Mo, you know, identity's his message. Mo's the identity guy. And I get that. It's, it's true. Identity's my message. But I, I just always want to make sure that people understand that when I speak of identity, I don't I don't look at it as like a separate subject within the gospel. It is the very foundation of the gospel. It's the knowledge of God. It's A.W. Tozer, PG said it, I think last week. A.W. Tozer in his book said, we would get rid of 10,000 lesser problems if we confront this one. And so the knowledge of God, it, it talks about that. It talks about who God is, who you are in him. And so back to... My picture, I'm painting in your head for you. Foundation, right? You have the foundation. And on this next level, let's just say there's the signs and wonders. There's the miracles. There's the giftings of the Spirit. There's all those things that we want and we're supposed to walk in. But if we try to skip this first and we go to that, we are in trouble. We're in trouble. And there's a few things I can think of when I think of that. There's a few things. There's probably a lot more, but there's a few things. Let's say you, 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 you skip that and you just are all automatically going after the, the gifts. And let's say you're a gifted person. Excuse me. Let's say you're a gifted person. So all of a sudden, the Lord begins to do things through your life. But you don't even really 
you've never, you, you don't, you're not founded. It's like Jesus talked about building our house on the rock versus the sand. And the storms will come, and the winds will come, and the floods come. And if you're not founded on the rock, great is your fall, it says. But if you're founded on the rock, they still come. Stuff still happens. Life still happens. But guess what? The rock, we've been formed on proper foundation. And so let's say you're a gifted person and the Lord begins to then. Now, all of a sudden, you're only as good as your latest gift because you don't know who you are. So now you become a danger to yourself and to the people you're ministering to. I mean, it just causes hurt all over the place. It's just bad, and we've seen it in the body of Christ for far too long. And I believe God is ripping up the foundations that we've built upon to lay the foundation of Christ. That, that there is no difference between any one of you in this room and me. And there's no difference between any one of you in this room and any of the leaders because we're all sons and daughters. And I'm going to talk about sonship a lot, but ladies, when I say that, just... Daughter, same thing, sonship, it's the reality. Sonship, it's who we are in Jesus. He paid a high price for us to come boldly to his throne. A high price. That's one of the prayers I pray so much. I love it. My wife said it today. She's saying it a little bit, is that Jesus would have the reward of his suffering. And sometimes in my, my prayer life is just so simple. It's like really simple. I just get before him and I just ask for help. Because I realized many years ago, I, I said, you know, I wanted wisdom. I wanted godly wisdom. Well, to me, the most wisest thing I can do if I want godly wisdom is to put my knees on the ground and be my confession. I don't know anything. God, if you don't give, I don't have. So my, my, that, a lot of times that's my prayer life. And I just, but I get this, I get this like burning in me that Jesus would receive the reward of his suffering. That, I don't know if you've ever heard that. That, that, um, that saying right there, if I get the story right, it was there were these two guys way back when, I don't even know the year, I just know it was a time of slavery, and these two guys, I heard Mike Bickle talk about it many years ago, and ever since I heard it, I just love it. And these two guys, they actually sold themselves into slavery in order to reach people for Jesus. I mean, that's intense. I mean, I want to go on a mission trip. I do, and I will. But I just be transparent and honest with you guys. I'm like such a homebody and I'm like used to my own stuff that I'm like, oh, man, you know, where am I going to sleep? What's it going to look like? And that's just that's just the spoiledness of America. Right. That, that, that I grow up in. And and but these guys sold themselves into slavery. I mean, a lifetime of slavery. For Jesus. And what happened was as they were on the boat, if, if, if the story is like this, it, it, it's something like this. They're on the boat and they're going off. And their, their, their family is in despair. They're like, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? And as they're going, they shout, or one of them shouts and says, that the lamb would receive the reward of his suffering. He paid such a high price for us to be able to come boldly to his throne. So sometimes I just think to myself, I just, I know, like, as hungry as I am, I just have that, like Paul said, I have not attained. But I want to lay hold of Christ, of that which Christ has laid hold of me. There is so much available 
in this life. And I, I want all of it. Whatever God will release in this age, I want it. And it's what you want, too, even if you're not going after it. It's, you might not even know it, but it's what you want. He's the only one that fulfills. He's the only, he's the only thing that fulfills, man. He's, he only asks us to give up what we were never made for anyways. And you can find freedom in that. So back to my, back to my illustration. There's, there's that, you know, the giftings. Or, I mean, and, and, and you know what? Still speaking about the giftings. It's like, why, why do we prophesy? So that, oh, cool. Man, Mo just read her mail. That was awesome. Man, he's so anointed. That's whack. That's dumb. <laughs> or is it so that the person we prophesy to can experience Jesus? Right? Why do, we, why do we pray for the sick? Why do we want the sick to recover? So that that person can experience Jesus. The end result is always intimacy with Jesus. It's him. And I have made a vow to the Lord all the days of my life that I will speak of him and I'm going to get out of the way. And I'm going to let him do what he wants to do. I don't need glory. I don't want it. I'm super introverted. I'm not even... So I, I kid you not, like sometimes we're at One Thing Conference, and this is funny, but one, and, and, I, and I go out to the car to get something, and, and, and what happens with me is when I get around a lot of people too much, I get like, okay, I just need a second to just, I literally went, went to the van, my wife's texting me, where are you at? I literally took like a 20-minute power nap. I'm like, I, I got to get away, and that's just me. I'm not even, I'm so introvert. This right here is... I would have never in a million years thought I'd be up here, but then God begins to burn something in you, and you just want to release it. And so anyway, so again, back to that picture. But then you have, you have other things. Maybe, maybe that's not you. This, this, next, this next example I want to give is where, where I spent most of my Christian life. Maybe you're, maybe you're sincere, but you missed the foundation. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're, you're, not the, you're, you're, you're not a hypocrite. You really want Jesus. You see, me, here was my thing. What happens when you miss the foundation? Shame, guilt, condemnation was a regular part of my life. Regular. Here I was seeking Jesus. And... Deep within myself, to be, to be so blunt with you guys, I had a lot of self-hatred. I hate, I, because I'm a thinker, okay, and God made me that way, but if I don't, if I don't get it under control, it'll get the best of me. And so that overthinking, I was just pounding myself and pound, because no matter how much I gave, I could always give more. No matter how much I prayed, I could always pray more. No matter how much I did, I could always do more. That was me. And so I didn't need, if I heard a message that constantly told me that I needed to get with it, that I needed to get with it already, you should be a teacher by now, you should be this by now, you should do, 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 everything doing. If I heard that, I was like, man, I'm 10, step, I'm 10 steps ahead of you, man. I, I didn't need you to tell me what I was doing wrong. I knew, what, I, I knew that at least, seeing this is the problem, I thought I had to meet up to a standard. And that's the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus met the standard for us. And now I'm in him. And through him, all those things are rest. I mean, so many of us come to Christianity 
And then we never get the rest for our souls that Jesus has promised us. I mean, no rest. And, and people can see it. They'll see it in your eyes whether you really have rest or not. And you'll know it. And so the shame, guilt, and condemnation that just was a regular part of my life led to years of depression. And a lot of people don't even know. My wife knows it. She can tell you. She can tell you because, of course, when you're around, you don't, you don't, no one wants to be around a downer. I wasn't like around my friends or family a downer or nothing like that. But when I got alone, man, the war began. The war began. And for so long, I was, I struggled with depression, hard depression. Like, I had moments where I was just, man, my head hurt so bad. And I would be texting my wife while I was at work and, 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 and I would weigh her down. Like I was, you know, our, our marriage, I'm just so blessed. We've had such a blessed marriage. But um, the times that I feel bad for is the times that I put her through my own depression to where literally I would, I would text her and she'd be like, I can't do this. I, you know, I'm just, I'm not, I don't want to hear it anymore. And, and it was just, it was just bad. I just, believing lies, believing lies. Because see, the enemy always, I, I believe, you know, you know how Ephesians 6 talks about the armor of God and it talks about the shield of faith and all that? The shield of faith. Faith is truth. And how do you dispel the lies? By truth. Okay? But the truth is not a head knowledge. It's, you, can, you can take what I'm saying and it might help you and it might cause a longing in you, but if you don't take it a step farther and get alone with Jesus and get alone with the Father, then it's really not going to do anything. Like, that's what happened to me, you know, just a couple years ago. Um, just to be honest, I, about two and a half years ago, and I, and I normally don't like to say names because then people think, oh, you're just, you know, I don't know, you're trying to be like so-and-so, and it's, it's not that. But I, I got a hold of the message of sonship through, through two main guys that many people know about. And I couldn't, everything in me, as these men were preaching the gospel, everything in me was like screaming, this is the gospel. Like, oh, my God, where has this been all my life? And, and I'm not blaming anyone else. I take ownership of my own walk with the Lord. I'm just saying that there was a time where I thought, why haven't I heard this before? And so I'm hearing this message of freedom and sonship. Because and there, there were things that, that started to come in my life that old things that I, I just thought I was just going to have to deal with from until, until I die. And, you know, I heard one person say before, this is kind of an intense saying, but I, I believe it. And he said, if you're waiting for you to die to be free from sin, then Jesus is not your savior. Death is. That hurts, right? And it's like, let me tell you, there is freedom from sin. There is freedom from sin. Listen, I'm so grateful for a God that loves us in our weaknesses. I'm so grateful because I'm... I'm weak 
I'm so dependent on him. But here's what I want to encourage you for. I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not pounding you. If there's anyone, I just want to encourage you. If your weakness is a sin, there's freedom from it. That's what I'm saying. There's freedom from it. I just got a hold of, of, of a truth in my life that I just ran with it. So many times we, we yeah, but God's word, you know? Like, we allow life experiences to speak louder than truth. And so we hear a scripture like, like, if I live by the Spirit, I will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Yeah, but. And we, yeah, but. And it's like, we always like, why don't we just believe? Grace through faith, right? And man, I, I, I prayed Ephesians 1 for so many years, and I never saw this one part. You know, Ephesians 1, the spirit of wisdom and revelation that God would open up the eyes of our understanding. And then it said that the power toward us who believe? I mean, that I missed it for so long. Who believe? You see, when you actually just become like a child, like Jesus said the whole time, and you actually just believe, grace now comes and says, now I can work with that. Just believe. And I tell you, I am not perfect, and I'm not preaching perfection, but I, I tell you, I don't even think about sin anymore. I don't. I, I used to be really sin conscious. I mean, like every day thinking like, I hope I don't fall. I hope I don't mess up or I hope I don't do this wrong. It's, it's so back there now because I wake up a son. Amen. You know, it's like, it's like you don't have to try. You're in him. If you've been born again, and if you haven't been born again, we can help you with that. But you got to give up your life. You don't come in this thing half-hearted. You're in or you're out. You're for him or you're against him. That's it, man. It's the truth. The gospel, you give up your life so you can actually find it. That's how it works. I'm just sharing my heart with you guys today because I, I really, I don't, I don't have any notes. I, I didn't really know what I was, this is going way different than I even thought. And I just, <laughs> for real, I had a bunch of things I wanted to say, but I, I knew this would happen. But I'm just, I'm sharing my heart with my RCC family. That's, that's what I'm doing today, guys. I'm just sharing my heart. God, I just pray that all throughout this service, you would just cause hearts to burn, Lord, even my own. Holy Spirit, do what you desire to do in your people, God. Dispel the lies, Lord. Because, see, here's, here's, here's the lies I believed all the time, you know. It was like, oh, you're, you're, you'll never be free. Look at that thought that just went through your head. Oh, you're always going to deal with depression. You'll never preach, Moses. You're too timid. You're never going to make it. And now, I don't even hear a lot of those lies anymore. I think he got tired of messing with me. I'm serious. I think what happened was he realized that the more he did that, the more he drove me to him. Because you see, resisting and defeating sin is like this. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he flees. 
That's how it works. It's not, a, it's not like a method. It's just I, res, I, I submit to God. In my submitting, the devil's resisted, flees. So now, like I said, I don't even get all, all the thoughts that I used to get. Sometimes they, they, they come in there and I, it, just, it's just, it has no hold on me. And it's not because of anything in myself. It's because I am dead to it. The Bible says, reckon yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. And I just run with it. That's it. I just run with it. So now it's like, just to get real practical with you guys, everybody has their own, you know, things that the enemy has come at you with. So now I hear a lie that says, you're never going to make it. What do you do? God, I thank you that I'm, I'm going to make it, Lord. God, you are faithful to complete the work that you started in my life. Oh, you don't feel him right now. Where do you go? God, I thank you that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. God, you're always by my side. And I don't feel you, but the righteous live by faith, Lord. I'm telling you, it's that simple. It's lies. I really believe, I really believe that the majority of what we minister to are like just lies, like for real. I know I keep saying that, but it's true. I mean, like we get, we, something happens to us or we get a thought or we get, oh, you know, please keep me in prayer. And I'm just, man, the devil this, the devil that, the devil this. And we're so devil conscious in the body. That's like, what are you talking about? Like, come on, he's defeated already. But see, this wasn't me a couple years ago. This wasn't me. This was, I was one of the ones. Pray for me, man. Pray for me, man. I feel down, man. Pray for me. To my, close, to my close friends, you know, you only have a ring of friends that you really trust with everything and you can spill out everything, you know? I see Ralph nodding over there because me and him have confided so many times in the past. And, um, but it's, it's just, there's freedom in Jesus, man. <laughs> There's freedom in Jesus. So, I just, I'm going to share my story a little bit more, a little bit detailed. Um, so, like I said, I, I, uh, I, I've been walking with the Lord from 18. Uh, I'll be 32 in 10 days, actually. 28th is my birthday. So, um, <laughs> Rachel, we share birthdays, actually. Um, anyway, so, so at 18, um, I gave my life completely to the Lord. But actually, at, at around 11 or 12, around there, we, um, I had a genuine experience with Jesus, like a real experience. And see, I, I grew up in a good household. Like, my parents loved me the best they could. They parented me the best they could. Um, the best they knew how, and it, it was it was good. We we don't uh, to be honest, we we may, we don't have like the most we we say this. We weren't like the the huggy touchy feely family. The love the way I am with my kids right now, I'm like smothering them all the time. We weren't really like that, but um, but still, my parents were great parents, man. And um, I, I remember growing up, kind of like in and out of church. I have very faint memories, and I knew we had like Christian beliefs. But I never really saw like Jesus in a relationship in our in our household. But 
I do remember Christian beliefs and good parents, you know, and, and I still remember, like, even when I was a kid, like, in the Sunday school, and it's funny because my son, Joshua, he, he reminds me so much of myself, just like this curiosity that he has for the things of God and the questions that come out of his, his mind to me and Melanie sometimes are like, why, what, what are you thinking of? Like, and, but they're like deep spiritual things and I have to explain things to him and Jesus and the gospel and all this stuff. And, but it's awesome, right? But I remember, and I just want to say this because I'm talking about Sunday school. I just want to say that raising arrows, like, and I know you guys probably know this, but man, what those kids are getting while we're having church here, I promise you, it will follow them for a lifetime. It will. I, I remember the seeds that were planted in my life as a little kid. I have little faint, you know, you have some faint memories of when you were six and seven and stuff. And, and I just remember, I mean, I remember being talked about in the Bible and certain things, just little things, you know. And then at the age of 11, um, there was another guy that, um, those of you who, who know, I don't know if you know, my sister Priscilla, that's my sister, and then um, she's sitting back there, and then Analdi, my brother-in-law, who everyone thinks that we're brothers, because somehow I, I grew up to, to look like him, <laughs> to resemble him. That's actually my brother-in-law, Priscilla with the red hair, you see the red beard, we're redheads. Uh, no, I don't dye my beard, somebody asked me that today. <laughs> I'm a redhead. Um, you know, anyways, no hair up there. But so, um, where was I? So uh, at, at, like, at like 11, like there was someone that was pouring into their life. And so uh, I remember my sister started to like um, plant seeds in our own family's life, you know. And um, somehow, even my mom, we end up going back to church. And PG, we were going to um, Bishop Braylon's church. You know the Braylon's? Yeah, this was in, it was Antioch Worship Center in Oakland. And uh, it's not there anymore. There's another church that's there. But um, so way, way back. And, um, and I'm, going, I'm going to that church. And I'm, again, somewhere, I know I was in like seventh grade. So whatever age you are in that, I think it was 11 or 12 or something. And I go from falling asleep in church to just starting to pay attention to what was said. Because we didn't have, like we have here, R2G and for the middle schoolers and all that. We didn't have that. So I was there in the, in the main service. And um, I just remember having, like when it was that time, I still remember who was preaching. It was Pastor David. That was a, he was a pastor underneath Braylon. And he was preaching that day. And he invited us to come give our lives to Jesus. And it was like I was trembling. I had no idea what I was doing. But I walked up there and sobbing not faking anything. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm sobbing, and I'm giving my life to Jesus, and I felt amazing. I mean, I felt new. It was, I felt clean, and I, and I couldn't explain. I just felt clean, and now the thing that gets me is this, is like, sometimes I think, why wouldn't an 11-year-old feel clean, you know? Like, and, and we know the generic answer. We're all born in the sin. We're born under Adam, and that's why we need born again, to be in Christ, but see, I was exposed to things at a very young age that just, it's crazy, you know, at, at eight years old, and I just think, I have an eight-year-old now, and if she was exposed to this, I would be enraged, 
I would be enraged. And, I, you know, I had a family member, and this is, um, this is funny. I don't even think my sister knows this. And um, my mom is supposed to be tuning in <laughs> right now. So, but Jesus won. Jesus won. So it doesn't matter what happened. But I had a family member who was an adult who thought it was a good idea, and I'm being sarcastic, thought it was a good idea to show me adult things from a magazine. No, no need to go into detail. You guys know what I'm talking about. And so at a young age, at eight, I'm hanging out with 13 and 14-year-olds in the neighborhood, and I'm exposed to all this stuff that I just should have never got exposed to. And so that's why I remember having that born-again experience, and I'm like, this is amazing. I feel clean. But then, see, my parents ended up backing away from, from church for whatever reason. I don't know. I was too young. They didn't, there's no details there, and I still don't know. Um, and so there was a gap from about 12 to 18 for me. You know, I had no one to disciple me. I had no idea what I was doing. I did not know who God was, but I, I, I had tasted a little bit. And um, at, at, um, at 18, so, you know, you hit the high school scene, and come on, if you're not strong in spirit in the high school scene, it, it, can, be, it can be troublesome. So, of course, what happens? You want the real thing, doing things you shouldn't be doing. And this is when, around my 11th and 12th year, uh, grade, this is when depression really entered my life. This was when I was fully just backslidden, right? And... Um, I began to open the door to some, some drugs in my life. Not, I never did anything really heavy, but you see, when I was in eighth grade, the guys that I hung around, they were, they were sitting there smoking out, smoking weed in front of me. They never peer pressured me, but I was an athlete. I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with that. I played ball all my life, and I didn't want anything to do with that. And so I actually stayed strong for some years. I just never gave into it. And then all of a sudden, I'm so depressed that in my 11th and 12th grade year that I'm like, you know what, forget it, man. Give me some of that. Let me try that. And so then I end up starting to do that. I end up smoking weed for a couple years and just to get away from what I was feeling because I wanted Jesus, man. I wanted him. I had tasted and I saw that he was good, but I couldn't. I didn't know what he thought about me. I had no idea. I literally would come home and my parents, right, they have this uh, their house has like a sidecar garage with a really long driveway. And I remember this, man. And sometimes I think of these memories and I'm like, God, you're so good. You're so good. I would park at the end of my driveway after just smoking out. I'm high. And all of a sudden, I would just look up at the sky. It's night. And I would just begin to cry and say, Jesus, I want you. But how could I have you? That was my, that was my prayer. I had no idea that, that God was like, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. You know, that's why I love that, that, that Corey Asbury song, the new one that he's got, um, Reckless Love. And I asked Melanie to sing it today, actually, later on for altar call. And it's just like there's no lie that he won't tear down to come after us. There's no wall he won't tear down. And so here I was, depressed, wanting Jesus. And then it all culminated, basically, I'm trying to keep this short because there's some other things I want to release, and I know it's 12. Um, 
So anyway, so I'm, so I'm there. I'm 18. I'm going through this. I'm crying out to Jesus. I graduate May 2004, and literally, it just like fast-forwarded like crazy. It's just like within a month, I was in an encounter weekend, and, 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 I, and I'll get up to that. But I'm, I'm, I remember being at work one day. I used to work at Publix. Uh, that was my first job. And, um, and so I'm, I'm there at work, and I don't know it, but then... You know, I mean, now, now I know what it was, but it was almost as if, like, you know, I say the spirit of conviction hit me. Like, it was, I got to a point in life where I was like, I'm done. I am just done. Not done with my life. I'm done with the world. I was done, and I wanted, I just, I was just done. And so I remember out of nowhere, I'm, I'm feeling this way, and I literally start. and back then I didn't cry a lot. I just... Now I do because God softened my heart. Anytime I think of Jesus, it's just it happens. But I'm there and I start crying at work and 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 I'm like in the back, I'm cleaning something, and it's funny. I'm this girl sees me that I knew and she's like, Hey, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm sitting there preaching. I'm like, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm not doing it. I know and I'm like saying all these things, and she's just like, What's that guy's problem? You know, and and uh, and then my manager sees me and he's like, Hey, you know, Mo, if, if you're not feeling good, you can go home, man. And so I said, okay, thank you. You know, I left. And, and I think if, Priscilla, you remember the day where I called you and I was crying. You remember that? And um, you were in the movie theater. So my sister was in the movie theater at the time, and it was late. It was like 11 or something. And I'm like, you know, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. And she's freaking out because she's like, what's going on? Like, you're crying. Like, are you okay? What's going on? I'm like, I'm okay. Just, just call me later. Then. And she lived. They used to live right next to my parents that had bought that house there. And so... You know, it's like past midnight, and she calls me when she gets home, and we're in my parents' screen porch, and um, I just, like, confess everything to her. I've been doing this, I've been doing this, and I'm tired of it. And at that time, she was the only person that was, knew anything about God, like, the only person. And so, it just so happened that there was an encounter. Now, encounter is equivalent to what we have here as journey. You know, we have journey weekend. Um, it's basically, in a nutshell, a weekend to get away from everyone and everything and to just get before God, right? And experience freedom and just give yourself in a way like that. And so that's when um, she's like, you need to just go to this encounter. And I was like, you know what? Sign me up. I didn't. I didn't even think twice. I was like, sign me up. I'm there. And um, I remember Pastor Keith was there. This was a while ago. Pastor Keith, he was one of the leaders, and um, I was just a young 18-year-old, and I just gave everything to Jesus, you know. And that was it. I've never went back from there. But again, just to go back into what, what happened, and this is where I want to I start to close, is the foundation. Somewhere along the way, I missed the foundation of the gospel. You have to know who you are in Jesus. You have to. Again, if you've been born again, you have entered into a new bloodline. Do you know that? Do you know that when you get born again, when you really give up your life, I'm not talking about just saying a prayer to get to heaven. I'm talking about you've given your life to Jesus because that's another thing. We have gotten it wrong. For so long, we've gotten it wrong. We thought it was about making it to heaven someday. And when I started to hear a person preach loudly saying, he died that heaven would get back inside of you, I was like, I want that. 
That's true. That's awesome, right? He just died for so much more. I believe in generational curses, and I believe in those things, right, that, that that can happen, that people can have curses over their life. But I just believe that the blood of Jesus is stronger. That's all I'm saying. I know that there are curses. I know that. I really do. I've seen it, and I've seen people bound. But, man, when you come into a new bloodline old things have passed away behold all things that become new and you have to believe that for yourself Amen. you have to the worship team can come up whenever they're ready it's just like god is so good Hallelujah. our father is so good and what do we, as I close, just what do we believe about him? Because that will determine, that will determine your walk with him. What you believe about him and what you believe about yourself. You see, one thing that I feel called to in my life, and it can look, it can be like this for anyone. It's not just people preaching or evangel. It's not like just within the church, I'm talking about like we saw the video in the seven mountains. What I'm about to say, this happens everywhere. And it's this. It's the very thing that Jesus came to do, which I believe was this, to clear the air. Yeah. To show who the Father was. Yeah. Because, see, we were dealing with a world that had no idea who God was. They thought they did. But they missed the very Savior that came. They thought they knew about God. His own disciples wanted to blow up cities. I mean, he's like, you don't know what spirit you're of, man. Calm down. You know? They came to him with a woman caught in the very act of adultery. That's crazy. Not just heard about, caught in the act. And they came her and they bring her before Jesus to see what he would say, the Bible says. What did he do? He without sin cast the first stone then. And my, my, my visual of that is I used to think it was like him way over here and the girl over there and him saying that. I think, who knows, it doesn't say, I think he got in front of her. He was ready to take stones for her. He without sin cast the first stone. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't say that, but he's that kind of God. I see him standing in the way and saying, he without sin, go ahead. And then they all go away. And you know what he does? Where are your accusers? There are none. Neither do I condemn you. I mean, come on. They wanted to condemn her. It says that a woman like that should be stoned. Well, what about you? You know, talking to the Pharisees, the religious people. What about you? With the lust in your eyes. You know, he brought in a whole new thing in the New Testament. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you have heard it said that if you commit adultery. But I say, if you look at a woman as to lust for her, then you have. So these people are there and it's like, God came to clear the air. You know, I think of John. John 17 is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And it's the high priestly prayer. And Jesus, it's like moments before he goes to the cross, it's his most deepest groaning of prayer. He's thinking about us. Awesome, Zach. Thank you. 
John 17, 24. Father, I desire. Now, I want you to do something, okay? Where you see the word they, that they also whom you gave me. Cross out they, and if you have a physical Bible, put your name in it. Make it personal. That's what I did. I, this is how I read this. Father, I desire that Moses, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am. That Moses would behold my glory. That's the way I look at Scripture. you got to make it personal. Call it your gospel like, God, like Paul did. My gospel. Cause so, so go ahead and to the next verse for me, Zach. You're awesome, Zach. Thank you. I love this. Anytime you see an O in Scripture like that, it's, it's, it's like a deep thing. Oh, righteous Father. Oh, righteous Father. Look at this. The world has not known you. And this is what I get. Oh, Father, they don't know you like I do. They're so far from you. It even says it, but I have known you. And it's like Jesus is saying, God, Father, they don't know you, but I know you. I know what you're like. The world hasn't known you, but I have known you, and these known that you sent me. Can you go to the next one, 26? I love this. And I have declared to them your name. And I will declare it. That's what we as Christians have the privilege of doing. Declaring what the Father's like. So to an outside world that says God is this and God is that, we don't debate them. We don't jump in and get all mad. No, with love we come under them and say, no, I get what you're saying. But let me tell you what he's really like. He's good. We get the privilege of declaring the Father's name. Because, see, to be a Christian is to be like Jesus. You see, I love this. I heard this before, too. Jesus wasn't the exception. He was the example. I mean, that's powerful. Some scriptures, I don't even know. Sometimes I'm like, God, what does that mean? It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I just, I can't even pretend to know what that means. I mean, sometimes I'm like, God, Holy Spirit. See, I'm a, I'm a very, like, when it comes to the Bible, not any other reading, but when it comes to the Bible, I'm like a meditator, a one-pager, a one-verser. Like, I just get one verse, and I just chew on it. And I just ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten it. I don't want to know in my head just what that means. God, I want to know what does it mean? Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. You guys can stand with us. I'm about to close and pray. And just been sharing my heart today, and I hope that it, that it reached some, and even those who might be listening or will listen. If I could say, just if I can sum it up in what I was trying to get, what I was trying to get through today is that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? There's freedom in Jesus. There is freedom in Jesus. And I just believe that we are entering into a great time. I'm serious. Like, I, I believe it. I just know that what God is going to do is do what he, what he started to do in my own life, that, that he began to rip up the very foundation that I built upon. I would have never even been doing what I'm doing now 
I never. I mean, I'm so free right now. It's amazing. I'm not saying I've never fallen short, but it never says when you sin. It says if. And I make that clear. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm perfect at all. I'm saying there is freedom from sin in Jesus. And there's freedom to walk by His Spirit. So, I do want to have an altar call. But before I do, I just want to say, like, again, it goes to, I love altar calls, I'm for them, but I, I do actually honestly have a concern sometimes because here, here's all I'm saying real quick is, you can experience God at an altar. You can fall and be slain in the spirit. But if you walk out of this building and you still believe the lies, then you're in trouble. Then it's no point. And I always want people to know that. Like we, there's not, like I believe, like you don't have to come to an altar, but I believe that there is something sometimes that it's, I don't know what it is. You can't explain it. Again, you don't have to, but you can't explain it. Something does happen when you draw the line in the sand and you, you just, you want to give yourself. But again, you don't have to. I just wanted to say that, but I do want to have an altar call. Y'all, you know, can come up at the same time, but for two different crowds that I'm thinking of or, or people or whatever. One, if you've never really been born again, if you've never really given your life to Jesus and you want to, I just want to give you that opportunity. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm just telling you that we're here to pray for you not going to ask you to raise your hand or call you out, none of that. I just, I'm going to give that opportunity to you. And then second, maybe you were like me. Maybe your story relates to where you're sincere. But there are things in your life that you've tolerated for too long. And you've maybe even thought that, well, this is, there's no hope. This is just how it's going to be until I stand telling you that that's a lie. And I want to break that off. And that is just my desire. I've said it a lot, is to break lies, because I just believe that that's where it starts. It starts in your head, and if he can have you believe those things, then, then he can win you. And so that's it, that's the second one. If you, if you want prayer for something and you wanna just draw a line in the sand and say, I am who he says I am, I invite you to come up. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.